Hey everyone, what is going on? Uh, welcome back to another episode of Project Describe. I hope y'all had a great Easter, and if you're tuning in on the day that this comes out, uh, happy Sunday. Uh, so on today's episode, I wanted to share something that I was reminded of and uh, just really encouraged by this week, and that's the fact that God sees me. You know, He knows exactly where I'm at. He knows what I've gone through. He knows what I'm dealing with. He knows what's to come. Right? He, he knows all. There's nothing that escapes him. And so, um, you know, I think sometimes we know that with our head, but with our heart, it's a different story. So, uh, yeah, I hope you're encouraged by today's episode and, and just reminded that he really, he really is the God who sees you. When things are going really well, you know, in the life of a believer, we probably don't give it much thought, you know, whether or not God sees us. You know, if we were to be asked, hey, do you know or do you believe that God sees you, especially if things are going well, we would, I'm going to guess that we would probably say, yeah, of course he does. I mean, he's God. And not only that, he's good. But if we ask that same question, you know, when there's a really huge trial, especially something that's completely unexpected, if we ask that same question, hey, do you believe that God sees you? Yeah, I think we wrestle with it a little bit more. I think that that question becomes way more prevalent. Uh, That thought becomes way more prevalent in our lives when there really is something pressing that's, that's happening to us. And I think there's this belief, the presence of a storm, you know, means the absence of God. If there's some kind of major issue that's going on in my life, well, God must have left, right? Or God must have forgotten me, turned his back, you know, on me. Um, he's not watching me. He's misplaced me somehow, right? Because if if God was watching, if God was looking at me, this wouldn't have happened. This would have never, never happened. And of course, that's not, that's not true. A story that I'm really encouraged by is the story of Job, uh, because I'm really reminded that God, you really do see that there isn't a moment where you're not watching. Now for Job, Job is a very, very wealthy person. He's someone who loves God. He loves his family. He's generous. He's, he's this, you know, amazing person. The Bible says of him, you know, in chapter one, uh, that he's the greatest man among all the people of the East. Now on one day, this great man, right? He's super wealthy. He has all these animals. He has all these servants. Another day in, in the life of, of being Job, you know, to him, I'm sure it seemed like just another ordinary day. All of a sudden, Job receives four absolutely terrible messages. First message comes, a servant uh, comes to him and he says, Job, we were plowing, you know, with the oxen, the, the donkeys were, were grazing nearby. And these group of, of raiders came by, they attacked us all. They killed all your servants. They stole your your donkeys. They stole your oxen. I'm the only one who survived. And as this servant is delivering this message, another servant comes to him. Says, Job, there was a huge fire in the fields. Killed all your sheep. Not only did they kill all your sheep, but it killed all your servants who were watching over the sheep. I'm the only servant who survived. While that servant is speaking, a, a third one comes. And he says, Job... While we were watching over your camels, a group of raiders came 
overpowered us, killed all your servants, stole all your camels, and left. I'm the only one who survived. So in those three messages, Job's great sources of wealth, completely gone. The animals that he can use to, to plow the fields, you know, to grow crops, the animals that he can use to, to sell, you know, the animals that he can use to eat, all of them gone. So his sources of wealth, his source of, of provision, it's all, it's all gone, right? All of his servants, you know, who were tending over these animals, who, you know, were, uh, you know, watching over the, the, the farming, they're all, they're all dead. So Job's immense sources of wealth and provision, instantly just like that, gone. And if that wasn't bad enough, while those three messengers are, are speaking and, del- and delivering these, uh, these, these horrible messages, a fourth servant comes up. He says, Job, your ten children were all at the house of your eldest son. And while they were feasting and, and eating and drinking and, and, and just enjoying themselves, there was a huge, terrible wind that began blowing, blew the house down, and killed all your children. All ten of your children are dead. All the servants who were there serving them are dead. And I'm the only one who survived. And again, Job received these messages all within one day. You know, this wasn't something that was spread out over few years, as bad as that would have been. This is all within one, one day. But he turns to the Lord. He's mourning, of course. But he doesn't curse God. He begins to worship God. But he's in deep, deep mourning. Sometime later, of course, we know that's not the the end of Job's suffering. Job then begins to be physically afflicted. The Bible says from the uh, soles of his feet to the crown of his head that he's afflicted with these uh, painful boils and sores. So his entire body is covered with these, like, this painful skin disease. Now his wife begins to tell him, you know, just curse God and die. It's better that you're dead. Just, just die. Don't live like this. Job's friends, uh, there's, there's three friends who come by. Uh, they see Job in this, in, in this terrible, terrible state. It says but when they first saw him that they barely even recognized him because of how, uh, how bad the, uh, the physical affliction was. And it says that they sat with Job for seven days without saying a word, just sat with him in silence. And this is when we begin to really see just the pain and suffering that Job is going through. So after seven days of silence, Job, he opens his mouth and he begins to curse the day that he was born. He says, I, I curse that day. What a terrible day that was. That, that was not a day, uh, you know, for rejoicing. That's a day to mourn. That's a day that no one should be shouting for joy. No one should be pleased about that day. It would have been better if I had died on that day. So Job, I think understandably so, he's, he's suffering. He is going through it. And I think something that we can all relate to, I, you know, maybe we can't relate to everything that Job went through uh, as far as, you know, you know all the, uh, the trials that, that he went through. But I think, I think something that we can all relate to is what Job is thinking. Job begins thinking, God, are you watching? Where are you? Do you, do you know what I'm going through? It says in Job chapter 23, uh, Job says, Even today my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. 
I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say to me. Would he vigorously oppose me? No, he would not press charges against me. There the upright can establish their innocence before him, and there I would be delivered forever from my judge. But if I go to the east, he's not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. So notice what Job is saying. He says, I've been groaning, I've been suffering, I've been going through this, I have been complaining, I have been praying, but God is not doing anything about it. If I could only find out where he resides, if I could only find where he lives, if I could only find his courtroom, if I could only find where God resides, oh, I would present my case before him and I would show him, I, you know, God, I'm innocent. I don't deserve this much suffering. What did I do? If I could only speak to him, if I could only lay my case before him, I would be able to show him this is too much. I would be able to show him that I'm innocent, that I don't deserve this. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't oppose me. He wouldn't uh, reject me. But the problem is I can't find him. And he's not looking at me anymore. So he doesn't know what I'm going through. And because I don't know where to find him, I can't state my case before him. Right, Job says, if I go to the east, he's not there. I go to the west, can't find him. He's at work in the north, but I can't see him. I turn to the south, just missed him. Can't catch a glimpse of him. I don't see him. Everywhere I turn, everywhere I look, I'm praying and I'm asking and I'm seeking and I'm trying to find him. I'm knocking on his door, but he's not answering me. He doesn't see me anymore. And I think that's something that we can all relate to. When we are really struggling, when we are really going through something, we begin to think, God doesn't see me. He doesn't see me anymore. He set me in the oven and forgot about me. I'm, I'm in the fire. I'm in this. I'm in the furnace. He forgot about me. He, he went to go tend something else. He went to the north. He went to the south. He went to the, he went everywhere else, right? He went all throughout the earth to take care of everything else. And he forgot about me. Because if he did see me, he wouldn't have done this. Or he wouldn't have allowed this. He would have saved me from this by now. He would have helped me by now. But now I'm starting to believe, God, maybe you don't see me. You don't see me. When you get to the end of the book of Job, uh, the, this is when God answers and when God speaks to Job. And these are the uh, the questions that, uh, the, the famous questions that, that God asks of Job. And I find, I find it very, very encouraging, even though at the same time, you know, God is correcting Job. He's also doing something, if you, if you notice, he's also doing something very, very encouraging for Job. Notice the locations that God points out to Job in his questions. So when he begins to question Job, I'll just read a few of them that, that he asks, that God asks Job. He says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? 
Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? So he begins to ask Job, where were you when I set up the earth? Were you there? You know, I was there before the foundations of the earth. I'm the one who, who founded the earth. I'm the one who set it up. Were you there? You know, can you tell me if you understand the vast expanses? Job, were you there before time? I'm the architect of the earth, Job. Can you find some secret place in the earth that I don't know about? He goes on to say, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Or can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? Those are all references to constellations. The Pleiades, Orion's belt, and the bear with its cubs is Ursa Major and Ursa Minor. So he's referring to these different constellations. So he begins to take Job not only from the foundations of the earth, then he goes into outer space. He says, all these, all these stars and the constellations, can you, do you know about them, Job? Can you bring them forth? He says, do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Do you know the laws, Job, that govern how these stars move? Do you know physics, Job? From the foundation of the earth, then he takes Job into outer space. Then he begins to take Job throughout the earth. He says, do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months until they bear? Do you know the time they give birth? Job, do you know when these different animals give birth? Are you counting down the days? Are you counting down the months till the time comes for them to give birth? Do you see them, Job, the way that I do? So he takes Job not only from the foundations of the earth into outer space. Then he begins to take Job throughout the earth, asking about animals you know, on the ground. Then he begins to ask about animals in the sky. He begins to take Job throughout the sky. And he says, you know, does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread its wings towards the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and build its nest on high? From there, he goes into the sea. And he says, do you know about Leviathan? You know, the, the monsters of the deep ocean? So notice what God is doing in his questioning of Job. Remember Job said, when I go to the east, I go to the west, I go to the north, I go to the south. Everywhere I turn, everywhere I go, everywhere I look, God is not there. I can't find him. But what God is revealing to Job in his questions is, Job, I'm everywhere. Where can you possibly go, Job, where I'm not? In God's questioning of Job, he begins to reveal, I see everything. I have my eye on everything. There isn't a single part of my creation that I have misplaced. There isn't a single part of my creation that I don't know about. Job, I was there from before the beginning. You say I'm not in the east, west, north, and south? Are you kidding? Job, I'm everywhere. And if my eye is on creation, if my eye is on the sun and the moon and the stars like this, 
if there isn't a single star that escapes my vision, if my eye is on, you know, the, the eagle that takes flight in the, in the giant monsters of the deep ocean, if my eye is on the doe that's about to give birth, don't you think, Job, that my eye is on you, you who were made in my image? See, at the beginning of the book of Job, it's God who tells Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Have you been watching him? Do you know him? Have you seen him? See, without Job realizing, God is watching Job. Without Job knowing it, God's eye was already on Job. When the Lord finally, uh, in, in chapter 38, when the Lord begins the questioning, when he finally begins to speak, I love the way that it starts out. It says, then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. See, again, a lot of times we think the presence of a storm is the absence of God, when that isn't true. The presence of the storm does not mean the absence of God. You know, if I were to go outside, if there was a huge storm today, you know, it begins raining, it begins snowing, all these dark clouds, you know, whatever, and I can't see the sun, I wouldn't immediately assume that the sun has just disappeared, right? That the sun has just somehow vanished. I may not be able to see it, you know, in its all of its shining brilliance, but I would never assume that the sun just all of a sudden just disappeared. How much more when we're talking about God? That sometimes, right, the, the storms and the trials and all those things, they, they cause us to think that God has just vanished. That's not the case. In Psalm 23, that's the, the famous psalm about, you know, the good shepherd. So in that psalm, David talks about, you know, he's the one who leads me besides quiet waters and green pastures, right? And it's a very peaceful scene. But then all of a sudden, you go from green pastures and quiet waters to now all of a sudden you're in the valley of the shadow of death. So it's like, how did we end up here? If the good shepherd is the one that's leading me, why am I all of a sudden in the valley of the shadow of death? We may not always know, but it doesn't mean that the good shepherd has left. The good shepherd is there. Though I'm in the presence of enemies, it's God, the good shepherd, who sets the table. So whether we're in the presence of our enemies, whether we're in the darkest valley, in the valley of the shadow of death, whether we're led beside green pastures and quiet waters, that doesn't change the nature of the good shepherd. It doesn't change the location of the good shepherd. The good shepherd never left. He was always there. And so just as it is with Job, what God begins to reveal to Job, Job, there was never a moment that I didn't have my eye on you. There was never a moment where I didn't see you. There was never a moment where I accidentally lost you and, you know, all of a sudden I have to send out all the angels. I have to put out a, a huge search party and say, guys, I, I messed up. I screwed up. I can't find Job on my radar. I set him down somewhere. I turned my back for a second and I completely forgot where he's at. You guys need to help me, right? There, there's none of that. He begins to reveal to Job, I was always watching. There was never a moment where I wasn't. And for us as believers who've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, the promise that we have is now the very Holy Spirit is now living within us. So not only is there never a moment where God doesn't know where we're at, you know, where God all, you know, somehow misplaced us, His very Spirit the third person of the Trinity is actually living within us. So there's never a moment where we're alone. There's never a moment 
where God's eye isn't on me. There's never a moment where I'm walking through some kind of trial, some kind of struggle, some kind of, you know, whatever it might be, some kind of storm, and I'm doing it by myself. God is the God who sees me. And he's the God who sees you. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He saw you then. He sees you now. And he sees what's to come. He sees you. Well, that wraps up episode number five of Project Describe. Just wanted to say thank you so much for, for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed today's message. You know, um, God really is God really is the God who sees you. So, um, yeah, I hope that encourages and blesses you. And with that being said, just want to say I appreciate y'all and thank y'all. And uh, see you next time. <laughs>